Good evening and welcome to Chasing Squirrels podcast. Uh, really, really happy to have the guests that I have this evening. It feels like a bit of a really, really positive bookend to my podcasting experience because when I first started out about a year ago, I'd love to be able to say right now, like somehow this is an end. Okay, this is the anniversary. There we go. It is. I'm going to declare it. It's the anniversary of Chasing Squirrels. So officially one year in. And back in the beginning, when I was looking to have conversations about education, I had a whole lot of individuals that were really, really kind in talking to me because I got to be honest, when I first started off doing this thing, I had this 17 point list of questions that I thought to myself, these are the questions. These are the, the cutting edge things that, that are really important about education. And I pretty much found out within the first two podcasts that sticking to the list sometimes did not get the conversation and it definitely crushed the flow. So the three guests that I have here this evening have all been a part of my process of trying to figure out what EDU is all about. And I would be a complete liar if I sort of said I'm there and I get it because I don't. There's so many little avenues and so many little corners that are still worth still worthwhile to check out. And uh, I'm hoping that reconnecting with these three guests tonight, they're going to throw some light on at least one of the areas that um, I'm really fascinated by, which is the whole training process for teachers to come into education. So this evening I have with me three guests and I will let them introduce themselves. And I guess only because she said I could call her out. Sarah, could you introduce yourself? Absolutely. So, hey everyone, my name is Sarah Ann Lalone, and I am a teacher candidate in my second year studying at the French Faculty of Education at the at the University of Ottawa. Um, my teachables are grades four through ten, and my teachable subject is English. Uh, I also have my own podcast, my own bilingual podcast called Kesara Sara, and I am very involved with Voice Ed Radio. That's a good one, Elif. Jump hello, in. Hello, everyone. Yes, my name is Elif. Um, I'm at the Faculty of Education at York University. I'm also, like Sarah, in my second year as a teacher candidate. I am in the Intermediate Senior Division, and my teachables are History and Geography. Fantastic. Diana, close us uh, up. <laughs> I'm glad we went backwards. <laughs> my <laughs> name is um, Diana. I've recently been hired with Peel District School Board as an occasional teacher for secondary and I've also started a master's program with the University of Ontario Institute of Technology in education and digital technologies. I feel like we're all grown up. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I got to say it, you know, coming back and stuff's really different now, listening to the, mm -hmm. the three of you. And, uh, and, and I love it. I love the fact that we're... Well, I'll say I love it that you're still it's it sounds like the joy is still there. It definitely sounds like a bit of the fatigue is there. <laughs> That's <And> inevitable. <laughs> exactly, right? And we talked a little about that on the pre-tape that you know, you can come back from a holiday and it's like in the rearview mirror and where's my energy? Where's my energy? Mm -hmm. So here's where I'd like to jump into if we could. So if it's a bit of a reunion, I know we weren't all in the same room last time, but I have some common spaces maybe that we can land, we can sort of, we can land on. And I'm going to start with my easiest landing, <laughs> relatively speaking, easiest landing spot. One of you, and and I apologize, I don't remember whose feed this was on, posted uh, posted something on Twitter, and the gist of the post 
had to do with learning during calm and learning during storm. Did do any of you remember posting that? Retweeting it? it I think it was Diana. It was, was it? a TED-Ed um, retweet. Yes. It said, there are some things you learn best in calm and some in storm by Willia Cather. It's a good, it's a good quote. And I thought to myself, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a good leap off point. So I put it to the table. I put it to the table. What, what does that, what does that look like from where you're sitting? Um, is there an experience that right away you're like, oh my gosh, I can totally, I can, I can see how that would be. Is it a sort of a skill set that you're thinking about as in how do you, how do you manage learning in moments like that? Cause I will tell you for me, I haven't been teaching that long. I'm in my 13th year and I can think back on all those moments where, you know, your toolkit, your toolkit, whether it's in a professional development or in real time working with students, it feels like the learning is never in, in that middle zone. It, it doesn't, it isn't always, you're kind of, kind of lower or you're higher and you're bouncing back and forth. Anyone got something that kind of pops up with that theme in mind? I can jump in on that one. Um, the where this brought me when I when I read the the quote um, was immediately thinking about classroom management and how you basically learn your classroom management mostly in storm, not when things are calm. And it's funny because I had a whole class one semester on classroom management, and I basically learned nothing until I went into my placement. And I had 25 grade fives that sometimes did not care what I was saying or wanted to listen to me. And it wasn't the um, theoretical, I would say, strategies that we would kind of talk about in my classroom management class that helped me in that moment. It was really kind of diving into in the storm, basically what I thought could work best and testing out um, some of those strategies. So um, I can totally attest to that. And I think that there are certain things, especially in teacher's college in the context that I'm in right now, where it's a lot better learning them on in a classroom, in an actual classroom rather than in a university classroom. Um, and so that's, that's what I had to throw down. That's what it made me kind of re- reflect on. It's a good one. Elif, mm-hmm. do you learn better in calm or storm? Um, I think it's I think it's both for me. I would say um, within my experiences, at least in the past year, um, the storm part is like planning everything up until I go up to teach. I feel like it's very complex and there's so many things that I go through even mentally and trying to plan everything and get everything going. And and not in a bad way, though, in a really good way, I find that um, it kind of pushes me and motivates me to do more and to have like better ideas, think of different things to do. Um, I have to agree with Sarah, though. I think the classroom management part is a is a storm for me as well. I, 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 I still struggle with that a lot. Um, but then the calm part is actually seeing how everything goes by and how um, mm. it's not it's not that it's it's always going to be successful. Obviously, the the lesson plans could have gone wrong. And um, but I feel like that's it's calming to even see that to see that you, you made a mistake or you did something really good and to move on from there to see what you're good at and what you need to improve on. So I'm kind of in that uh, stream right now. I hear an addiction kicking in. Because I like I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. So if I were to be given the choice to learn in one of those two modes, it would be in the storm. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like um, 
I really get a clear sense of the the trueness of my skills when they're tested that way. I think part of it also comes from in a previous life I was I was a chef. So I you know one of the questions I'm asked sometimes is do you miss it? And it's funny, I don't I don't miss necessarily the the grind of the restaurant, but what I miss time and time again and I'll get this little bit of nostalgia every once in a while, Friday night line up out the door. This is just the seven o'clock seating. We know that there's two shows across the street. So we know we're going to flip the restaurant. You know, you got your team. I have my team across from me in the kitchen. I'm calling out the orders. I'm checking the restaurant and you just, you hit flow. And I have a Mm -hmm. real hard time hitting flow, Mm -hmm. that flow state for myself when I don't have, I almost hate to say it, an antagonistic environment that challenges me. You know, and part of, you know, I don't know if I I know I may have mentioned once or twice, like my teaching contest text is I've always been in niche and small spaces. So in guidance and spec ed and then alternative education. And now I work with students um, that have been expelled or suspended from their homeschool. So the the antagonism continues. But I find in that space, I'm constantly tweaking, adjusting those tools. Diana. Yes. Are you a calm learner or a stormy learner? I think I'm a stormy learner. Based on what you said with the restaurant um, environment, I totally get what you're saying because I work as a waitress on the weekends. And when you when it's so busy and you're talking about the lineup and it's so busy and you find that flow with like the people you're working with, the people who are cooking, your other waitresses, it's like in a way it's like kind of exciting. And then you're so tired at the end of the shift, but it's like exciting. Like you're so stressed at first, but then you kind of find your flow and everything's moving quickly and it's going well. So I, I can connect to that very well when I compare it to, I feel like the most I've learned in a classroom when I was teaching subjects that I had difficulty with, which I needed to teach myself as well, whether it be math or a more complicating Shakespeare lesson, that's where I learned the most about myself as a teacher and my students and the classroom overall, because it was where I was also uncomfortable. So I feel like that would be the storm for me. But then you figure it out as you go on, like the next day or the day after that, and then it falls into place. Mm-hmm. What, what are you observing in? Um, what are you observing in your uh, your new workplace as far as how calm and storm are managed by by the the general? Let's say the general culture of the school. Would you say that they're there's there's a lot of a lot of um, uh, there's a very large focus right now in many school boards around managing mental health for students, and that also includes all learners within the school. So staff and teachers, support workers, anyone that would be coming into the school, and there could be an argument made that well, you know, if you're constantly flexing back and forth between calm and stormy, you know, it, it might not be necessarily a a, um, a reliable learning environment. So I'm curious in the in the new the new school that you're in, Diana, what, what are you observing? Are you observing that it's a, and again, like we sort of said, calm and stormy isn't, they're not positive negative. They can just be um, states of mind to learn in. What are you observing about the school? Is it, is it a, is it a calm learning environment? Is it stormy, activated, sort of energized? What are you seeing? Well, right now, I've only started last week. Okay. <laughs> so I've, I've had a few, um, schools that I've been to, it's a little uh, difficult to get a sense when you're only like a supply teacher. True. Because you're kind of left with just like group work. 
But what I've noticed about the schools overall is when I don't know if I if I had this in my high school. Maybe can Elif can chime in if she knows or if maybe our old high school has it now because she's there doing placement. But there's at least with Peel District School Board, most of the schools have like a contact room. And what I've learned about this room so far is um, usually the teachers will bring students in if they're skipping class, whatever, and they'll hang out in that room, get life skills lessons, do homework. But I've also noticed that when students aren't feeling comfortable in the class, they can choose to go to that room to do their homework there instead. And I found that to be very interesting because sometimes students may have anxiety or feel uncomfortable or feel like they just need a space where it's not as busy or crowded and they're allowed to go to that room to do their work get extra help so I found that really interesting that I didn't think was an option when I was in high school I love that what do um Sarah and uh yeah well there we go you're as I'm, I'm looking down at my page taking notes and I can see Sarah you're in what have you noticed <laughs> Yeah, so I'm currently working as a tutor in the classroom right now in um, an elementary school, uh, supporting in math, and which means that I'm in a few grade three and grade six classrooms. And when you talk about learning environments, the calm and the storm, I immediately immediately think about some of the teachers that I'm seeing when I go into different classrooms. And I think that the teacher and the way that they approach their teaching in general, the way their personality and persona kind of thing um, has a huge effect on their classroom because there's a certain classroom that I love going into because the teacher is so calm. And the first time that I was in this classroom, I, I had never seen a classroom that was so zen. And the, the students, there was never, it was never over too loud or there was always nice music playing. And, you know, they had um, the like the, um, oh, what is the really smelly things? The diffusers with like scents. Like they're running incense as well. Yeah. And it was a calm learning space. And then I go into a different classroom and the teacher is, you can just sense like a huge ball of stress and a lot of yelling and a lot of just complete polar opposite of the other classroom that I was mentioning. So I think that as a teacher, sometimes they might not necessarily notice it, um, but they have a huge effect on that calm or storm learning environment. That's pretty And remarkable. it affects the students a lot because you can tell. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the, there's, there's a few schools that are going through transformations and including um I guess I call it I call it slow learning in a lot of ways. So I mean that could be anything from meditation to yoga or other sort of slow arts, as well as self regulation training, as well as we roll that into self awareness and and um, a lot of the mental health tools and mental wellness tools that are trickling into the school. That's the the room that having that space for students to go to. I think is it's critical. One of the things that I, I often wonder about, I look for the, a similar space for teachers. Have any of you noticed anything like that in the schools where, yes, you might have these oases within the classrooms, but then you sort of get into the general population, the flow in the hallways. And it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, I feel like I'm jumping on a, a you know, a rush hour subway just to make it to my next oases. Have any of you noticed spaces within the school that are let's say more general population to include everybody to have that kind of calmness. No, I haven't. No hands up. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't no. either. No. It's, a, it's an interesting thing, eh? 
I that guy. I would almost argue there's some there's definitely some space there to have a, uh, you know. And I think sometimes one of the things that I've noticed in and okay, there's a little bit of a dated example, but one of the ways that staff tend to get that same calmness is like, okay, just make sure that staff room door is closed. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think at least, at least one of us had that conversation about being in the staff room. I think the last time we spoke and, you know, making sure that finding, finding the right people to sort of listen to. Um, that's cool. Calm in a storm. That's my first one. You want to, anyone else want to throw down on that one or can I, can I push another one your way? I could, I could add something to that actually. Now that it comes to my mind. Um, when we were, I guess we were talking about like if there's a space for your teachers last semester, um, I guess I, I, I didn't really find that space within the school. So, um, I kind of created it for myself and I, I used to go out for lunch because I found that to be, uh, a nice way to like kind of break out the day and have that calmness and to actually like rejuvenate myself and get some fresh air. Cause, um, I, I, I didn't feel like I could do that within the school at the time. So I, I feel like sometimes you kind of have to search with it within yourself and try to find that if if you need it, you can go out and you can, you know, get a quick fresh air and then come back in. Because I do feel like it's really important, especially for teachers, to um, be mentally um, capable of going back and actually not feeling overstressed. Because then it can come to a situation where, like Sarah was saying um, in that classroom where the teacher was like really stressed and yelling. And that's not a good classroom environment to be a part of. Totally agree. Totally agree. I remember in one of my very first placement, uh, when I was a teaching candidate, I got the tour of the school and the individual did an amazing tour. Like it was, it was easily 45 minutes long, like just, and it, that, it wow. yeah, I know exactly. Right. This, this teacher came and spent time with me and they, they walked me through, we're walking into classrooms and right near the tail end of the, uh, the tour, the teacher brought me through the uh, main office and this is administrator and this is the secretary staff. And then it was right at the back of the office, the staff room was, and we walked through there and there were two doors. So we walked in one door and we kind of circled through and it was the, yes, there's a staff room, you know, sometimes there's snacks. And then we, as we're walking out the door, the teacher leans into me and says, no one ever goes to the staff room. (laughs) But it was like a stage whisper. It was too loud. And I will tell you, there were five people in the staff room. So I'm walking out there like, was that like a insult? Was there a job there? Yeah. There was people sitting in the staff room. I have this I have this image because I didn't look back. Like, right. Like the person said, I'm like, I'm out of here. Like, I don't even want to pretend like I'm having this combo. But I imagine the one of the people sitting at the at the table in there, like mid sandwich bite, just like staring us down, you know? <laughs> No one ever goes in there. Yeah, it was kind of over the top. I will never forget that. That's one of those startup memories. I'm kind of locked in. Mm-hmm. So here, let's go to this one. Um, the, I think the the irony sometimes of getting used to um, our work and our job is that we it can kind of unknowingly become complex and we might not even be aware of it. I mean, this can be the type of routines we set for ourselves. It can be the way we sort of organize and plan our days. It can be, you know, because you have a certain number of deliverables that you always have to do. You might say, okay, I know I have to be sort of writing by this time. I have to go to this meeting there. I'm curious if, if we lift that up a little bit, just a little bit to kind of look underneath it. I'm curious as to whether or not 
um, there was has been any moment in kind of the routine of becoming a teacher where you're kind of, I'm going to say stunned, maybe not stunned, maybe amazed by how complex something has become. And it could be something as in it was a an idea that was introduced at faculty or a project that you became involved with when you were at one of your schools or even working on one of the relationships. Was there something that kind of pops up where you 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 were like, my gosh, this is this is so much more. And I'm not framing it positive or negative. It just suddenly you had this realization, like a paradigm shift. This is really complex. What do you think, Sarah? Okay. Yeah. So um I'll give a little bit of context. So I just recently got um, my name on the supply list for the school board um, in Cornwall that I've been wanting, that I want to work for eventually. And um, it was really the first big step to actually getting a teaching job once I'm done my, my degree. And so I've been thinking a lot about that, that moment whether I get a long-term contract or actually get a position in September. And I've just been thinking about the, the big picture of teaching more or less, more or less. And that, that whole complexity, like you were saying, and all of the little things that goes into teaching, whether it be the fact that you have probably 20 plus students, other children, other um parents, kids in your classroom that you have the responsibility of, the classroom management, the fact that you have to teach them content and teach them values and you have to assess them and make sure that they're learning and everybody learns a different way. So you have to, you know, learn about them and create relationships and teach them in their specific ways. So we got to differentiate and we have to, you know, assess the learning, do report cards, and at the same time, do tons of, you know, professional development and be connected with the other staff in the school. And there's so many things. And it's been really overwhelming when I've been trying to say like, can I actually do this? And I've never felt like I I couldn't. But the closer I get to those responsibilities, the more I've been been really reflecting and questioning myself on that. Holy crud, that was good. It's, you almost gave me a panic attack. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'm, I'm starting to write a couple of things down. I'm like, I don't want to write that anymore. I, I, <laughs> stop reminding me. Of and those are all the things like that have just been going around in my mind. Like, how am I going to do it? Like, have I been trained properly enough? You know, like, there's so many things that I've been asking myself. Yeah, Sarah, I, I, you said it so well. <laughs> you said it so well. I have like I'm here thinking like exact same thing. I feel like we're like pretty um, like we're on the same stage within our career because we kind of started at the same mm -hmm. time and now we're almost done. And with like school and like everything that you have to apply for and like resumes and cover yeah. letters and making connections. Um, like I, I've been hearing like you have to get like references and you have to have other people come watch you like principals or vice principals. Like these are the things that are always mm -hmm. on my mind. Um, and yeah, I it, it's it's difficult. I feel like it's really complex and going into it and from an outsider perspective, I don't think a lot of people actually know how complex it is. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I've been like, why do people even go into teaching? Like, is it worth it? I think it's definitely worth Chris? it. I just, I, I feel like yeah. right now um, we're kind of in between, like we're doing two things at once. We're in school still trying to finish our, um, you know, 
our program and then we're in our practicums at the same time and we're trying to apply and trying to make those connections so I think there's a lot going on um but yeah I, I'm in the same position I'm 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 kind of in that complex uh circle as well Mm-hmm. Come on, Diana, save us. Tell us that everything is just easy peasy. You're like, you folks are just triggering yourselves. I got this. It's, it's, I'm still scared. Like, <laughs> I just started um, supply teaching and like at our sign on appointment, they were telling us about like evaluations that they're going to do after 15 days and then after 40 days. Um, and I'm thinking, like, what are they going to evaluate me on for being a supply teacher? And it's like, it's so nerve wracking. And then you had the option of saying, um, like, checking off if you are open to doing an LTO assignment during your occasional teaching, the 10 months that you have to do before you can actually apply to an LTO list. And I'm like, well, what if they do ask me to do that? Where am I going to be left off? Like, what if I don't know where they are in the unit? What if I, what do I just start lesson planning? Like, are they going to give me a warning a few days in advance? How do I, is the teacher going to live, leave me any lessons? Like, I'm so nervous every day, even just walking into the classroom. I'm like, what kind of students am I going to have today? Because it's not like, it's not like I'm going into the same class and I can build a relationship with them, right? I have a new set of students every period and I don't know how these students are going to be. And it's just, I'm nervous every day. You're hardcore. You are. Like I was saying right now, you're like, you're like the Navy SEAL of the teaching world. Drop in, drop out, take care of business. You know, zero dark, whatever that movie was. You're like going in just to take care of something and get in, get out. It's, 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 you know what I will say, I'll say from where, where I walk the halls, I, I make sure I will say I'm intentional in making contact with as many people as possible. If I'm going to be in the hall, I, I really don't care how fast the traffic's moving. You know what I mean? Like I'm not the guy that's going to stop in the middle and do my texting and sort of do phone calling, but I'm also, but I am the guy that will shake hands and say hello to people and notice and say, Hey, you know what? I, I'll, I'll, I'll be the one that makes the mistake of saying, Hey, are you new to this school? And they're like, no, I've been here for like four weeks. I'm like, Oh, sorry. I guess I just haven't walked down this hallway. But I think even in doing that, like even four weeks, four weeks there and if we're mid-semester they're still fairly new you know what i mean like you're still Mm -hmm. sort of noticing and i think that noticing is powerful what's the um do you get the sense like (laughs) diana do you get the sense that anyone has noticed your state of mind let's say apart from your family who you may just you know you come home every day you're like and then you sort of you know exhale do you get the sense that there's anyone there that that can notice and kind of help you out I try to keep it cool in the school. I know it. <laughs> I That's to, my T-shirt. I try to not make it look like I'm freaking out at the beginning of every class before the students start trickling mm. in or freaking out while I'm doing attendance and stuff or freaking out when a kid goes to the washroom and takes like 10, 15 minutes to come back. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> oh, where I've are been they? There. Yep. Do I call down to the office yet? What do I do? I just I, I try to keep a brave face. But I don't think I've only I've, I've only started like last week. I don't I haven't really some teachers will say hi, but I haven't really made any friendships yet or any connections or anything like that. I love I love hearing that example because even, you know, those are the questions that I ask myself, even getting like getting st- new students anytime, sort of checking my responses. 
And you can use that, like that one that you just mentioned, like I think the kid's been gone for a long time. There's a really fascinating moment there where, you, where you're about to cement um, a frame of mind that you will use again and again and again. And it's hard not to commit to a line of thinking. Okay, 10 minutes out of class, that's officially too long. Okay, who do I call? <laughs> who do I call? And you're not really making, you might make be making these faces in front of the class too. I don't know. But right now, like I'm, I'm doing like this sort of like, I'm kind of, my eye is slightly closed. I'm kind of Sherlock Holmesing kind of as 10, 10 minutes is long. Yes. Where might they be? Maybe they did another round of it. And then, you know, someone's got their hand up. Miss, how do I do this quadratic? Wait, I'm trying to figure this one out. And then it's an interesting <laughs> place though, because I've met the 22 year teachers that are asking themselves the exact same question. It's you, mm-hmm. you, you enter into this kind of zone of um, teaching philosophy that I think anchors itself in ambiguity. And there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of those kind of moments that kind of falls into the welcome to teaching. You know, and and re- I mean the other side too. I mean the the ease that you deal with it sometimes comes down to relationships and confidence. There's other things that you you learn, but I even find seasoned teachers they ask themselves the exact same question. Things they don't tell you in teachers' college. Yeah, learn about that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's all about that whole lear- learning in the storm thing, yeah. right? I yeah. think we, yeah. we can go right back to that. That's I would, and and you know what? That's that's a light drizzle that moment you know what i mean like because it is there's other things Mm -hmm. that uh, well let's say light drizzle from where let's say i i sit um for other like i said 20 year teachers in that is storm and you Mm -hmm. can sometimes really get fascinated by you know you find yourself in conversations with individuals who are definitely all stormed up about something like this is a really difficult challenging thing for them to kind of process through and you're sitting there you're like yo it's so simple Oh, you got to do, and this is internal. You know, you're not actually saying this out loud because you know if you've ever seen someone doing stormy learning, don't get in their way. But if you're you, you sort of you're thinking like that's so simple, like I know the answer to that one. And then conversely, you know what you might find to be a bit of a stormy stormy moment. My hope is that someone else would help you uh, be able to help you navigate that one. It's uh, that's a good one. So, okay, I like that. That's the simplexity. Cool. I know I'm fa- I'm really fascinated. I, I, I in a lot of ways I'm stunned. I'm stunned only because of there's there's growth that I can notice in the conversation with all three of you. The experiences that you now have under your belt, it it makes it like well, it just reinforces the fact I'm happy to talk with you again, but it's also interesting to hear the the change in focus slightly. Like there's more focus now from the three of you about the work experience like it's specific it, you're speaking specific i mean you kind of had that plug too like the things they don't teach at faculty but that's the only thing that's been mentioned about faculty so far i think when we spoke previously it was more about the faculty experience i mean you had practicums under your belt but it was right. sort of managing so you have all shifted which is really cool to hear mm-hmm. and the language that you use is teacher language it's not candidate it's not no no i make that say that quite specifically this is teacher language it's not candidate language and the things that you're being challenged by right That's now, exciting. it's the stuff of the storm. It's the stuff in the school. So I commend you for having that mindset. You've shifted. You def- you've definitely shifted. I, yeah, you're Thanks. very welcome. Um, <laughs> in that, what do you feel yourself becoming as a teacher? So 
you know, none of us can can exist. I'm including myself with you, youngins. I can't exist in my candidacy anymore. You sort of get closer to becoming the teacher. And of course, you're going to have some curriculum you're responsible for. But what do you find yourself becoming in addition to a teacher? And this could be something as, well, I really want to coach basketball. It can be as something as complex as I'm really digging my teeth into um, supporting equity issues. Like almost to the point I could walk away from my teaching altogether if I could just work on equity issues. So you can kind of have those two, two bookends. Do you do any of you three find yourself kind of concurrently becoming something in addition to, let's say, a content specialist teacher? Diane, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go. I'm going to start with you this time. Oh, no. <laughs> I like that. That's strong. I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> I've actually been pretty interested so far. And like when I was um, helping out in the contact room, they were giving some life skills um, lessons about like, how do you um, start a bank account? How do you apply for a credit card and all this stuff? And even working with students in um, some of the vocational or workplace classes, it's like, I feel like when I was in high school, everyone thought that you had to go to university to be successful, right? And they didn't really give many options or they didn't really explain them and saying like, hey, there are so many other things you can do. And now that I've gone through university and I've seen that most of my friends that have gone to university have ended up having to specialize in college or go back and start over, for example, or some of them have just scrapped university and started fresh. I feel like I'd like to be that voice for students who may not want to go to university and may want to take a different route and that they need to know that there are options for them. And it's not just university. It's not just college. You, you know, you can open up your own restaurant or, you know, start a business. I was listening to some students talking in class today. It was an IB class for um, business management. And one girl was talking to her friends and she's like, university is a scam. And then her friends were like, why are you saying that? Didn't you apply? She's like, yeah, my parents would kill me if I didn't go. But, you know, I'm trying to develop an app right now. I'd rather start my own business. And I'm like, that's so cool. More people, more students need to know that there's other routes you can take. And I find I'd like to help with that. Does that make any sense? <laughs> no, it totally, totally makes sense. It's a funny thing when... It's a funny thing. I, f I find myself in some of my classes that some of the best lessons are hung around talking about lived experience. And one of the challenges, I think, with bringing curriculum to life when there isn't a lived experience, you, you really feel the gravity of those lessons. And if any of you, well, Diana, you, you might be feeling this as well, but going into, into classes where you don't have um, a footing in the content area, or if you're being given a new course to teach and you're learning it along with the students, that's, that's one of those areas where you may kind of, you have an idea about the, you know, solving for X or um, certain historical dates, but you feel the gravity of not having a lived experience to kind of, to grease the wheels for that, um, for that conversation. Um, the, I think the challenge in that then can be jumping into a new context is talking about life and bringing in some of the life skills things. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm 
totally, totally on point with that one. What, um, what about you for LF? LF? What, um, what about you? What are you becoming? Um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm still trying to discover what I've <laughs> been coming or what I, what I want to become, but I've been, um, I've been really interested in student centered learning. Um, for the past couple of, well, in my last um, practicum placement that I had, I've been really trying to focus on how, really how to engage, um, I guess, disengage students. Because um, I find that it's really hard to tell sometimes when students are really engaged. Like, yeah, they could be looking at you or they could be just staring at you, but you don't really know if they're really listening to you or if they're actively um, participating if you have like a group um, discussion or something like that. So I feel like I'm really trying to get a handle of how I, I can, I guess, be conscious of my own um, lessons and my own plans and what I want my students to learn throughout um, my teaching, throughout teaching them. Um, so I've been trying to make things more hands-on, more relatable, kind of like what Diana was saying, is trying to have it more directed to their actual lives. Um, through the activities that we're doing or through the teaching that I'm doing. And I feel like that actually helps build better and stronger relationships as well between students because at the end of my um, practice, I had a lot of students come up to me and actually tell me, oh, that was, thank you for doing it this way because I actually understood it. Or they, um, they felt more confident in their work because they were able to understand the content more better because it wasn't more strictly based on like, writing or if it wasn't just strictly based on like reading through a textbook so um i'm trying to really develop different ways and engaging engaging ways to um help students understand um that it's not just about reading and writing all the time but there's different ways of learning things and everyone of course has a different learning style to um i guess we we can serve to I love often, I, I totally agree. And it's funny, I've been in more than enough conversations where, um, Diana touched on this, where everybody in the room is so forward looking to post secondary college and university that you start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, sorry, I started to feel uncomfortable because despite the fact that there's overwhelming belief that that has to be the next step when you finish high school, I know from the inside that there are individuals in that class, again, because of the relationships and making connections that are just freaking out that that's the expectation of them. And it's not even necessarily that they want to necessarily go into business for themselves or design an app or go independent, but they are self-conscious conscious enough that they know they don't want to do more school right away. And that can be a really challenging conversation. I often... I often think about some of that pressure to sort of, I almost look at it a little bit like product development. Like it's still a very strong philosophy that what we do in high school feeds university and colleges. And I'm getting, I've always been more comfortable, but I'm finding more and more spaces to have this comfortable conversation. Is like what we develop at high school can be looked at more like an incubator. It doesn't have to lead directly there is no sort of expressway right to college or university and if we can figure out some of that those programming left and right steps i think what what diana was mentioning too is that if we can figure out some of those spaces where we don't have to talk about what we're doing right now in the future tense we can actually just stay in high school and do really cool things not forever but <laughs> but we can sort of but you get what i'm saying we can 
we can stay in there and um, we can stay in there and and create something that post-secondary wants from us more than the marks. So that person mm-hmm. developing an app gets to go to university. They're not going to take courses. They go there as a consultant. And there's a really mm-hmm. interesting space there. And I like that conversation. I like that conversation a lot. Sarah, what you got? Well, mine is a little left field from what we're talking about right now, but I'm going to roll with it anyways. Um, because I guess it's very individual and personal and, and different from um, other teacher candidates. But my space that I'm in right now and my thing that I've kind of evolved in in the past couple years is is really becoming almost like an, an ed tech kind of teacher and finding all of those ed tech tools. Like I've been to a lot of conferences and I'm constantly on Twitter learning about new things. And I think that integrating these into the classroom as a teacher is really thinking out of the box and out of the box of this traditional classrooms that we still see and that I'm still seeing in some schools. So I really want to be that teacher because I think that, you know, technology can be an essential part of, of learning. Um, it's not always about the tool, but it's important to know how we can integrate the tools into the classroom and know their pedagogical values and, and know how to facilitate learning activities with those tools. Um, and so I look forward to when I am a teacher to to mentor other teachers um, on how they can use some of these tools and mentor my students on how to use them as well and then have them use the tools to show their learning, um, which I think is really cool. So um, that's kind of where I am right now. I also think that maybe someday I'll become like a tech coach. I think of Jen Apgar and I, I look at her role um, right now and it's really incredible and i hopefully look forward into into growing into that kind of mentor someday that's cool is there do you know the, those one of the things that i've found in some of my conversations is that those roles look really different school board to school board do you mm-hmm. know in the so my, closest to you do they have do they have such a- yeah they do yeah, so my my stepmom is actually in in the French school board that I'm going to work for. It's called in Conseillère Pédagogique en Technopédagogie. So um, I got my eyes on, on that role in uh, in a few years. I definitely want to be in the classroom for a bit, but that's uh, a future goal. It's very cool. I asked. <laughs> I had this. Um, I had this concept. I still have the concept. I'm wrestling with it, and I. I, I put it to said so do you folks have you heard of Debbie Donsky? Does that name mm. kind of Debbie Donsky? Um she and I guess she she and I are friends. We were we've we connected on online. I mean she was so gracious, she was on my podcast as well. And I've I've had some really great um she's given me a lot of great advice. And when I went I asked her one time, I said, Have you ever heard of someone pitching a school board for a job? And it just strikes me that we're coming into a space in education where, and that was part of my reason asking, you know, do you know, though, does that position exist? I've spoken to other people on the podcast and there isn't, there isn't like a digital learning resource teacher. Like there isn't a person that's kind of dedicated to a space in the board that you go to. It's kind of local or there's one person or yeah, there's that guy or that gal that I can email and they'll come and teach me about G Suite or something. 
So, yeah, I think it depends on like the school board and what their philosophy is, right? If they're stepping into that different mindset, because there are some schools that get support from outside um, kind of companies, like you were saying, but the school board, luckily, the one that I would like to go into, they really have that new vision um, and it's exciting. Cool. I put that idea to all three of you, though, because I think that the space that the three of you are coming into teaching, you will be here longer than me. More not be and part of it is just because I'm old, right? Like uh, I'm I came to teaching late. Um, my life would be very very different. You know, you know, if had I been in education longer um, and had more time to sort of get to all of the stuff that I'm interested in, but I I'm 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 really excited for new teachers to come into teaching, bringing in what their version of personalized learning is and modern learning and using ed tech, but also entrepreneurship. Um, You look to some of the feeds coming from the States and the concept of entrepreneurship in the States as a teacher, I think in a lot of ways is by necessity. Like there's quite a few teachers that the reason that they have a side hustle is because um, contractually it's not as robust as what we have up here in Canada. Um, and that could be the reality for some of the teachers down there. But there's others that have, you know, they've taken their entrepreneur spirit and they're they're covering a classroom during the day and they've got their side hustle at night. And I'm curious to see what that eventually looks like up here, because I don't know if it's really taken hold yet. My version of it, like I said, is going to the school board when you have your contract and saying, OK, I've been teaching, you know, this alt ed thing for about five or six years. Um, what do you think about this as a job in the school board? And you frame it out according to all the logical and expectations and, you know, growing success. Um, we don't have a dragon's den or a shark tank to do that as educators. Not yet. But I got, I, I wonder, I give that idea to you folks. I dare you. I dare you. Pitch your own job. Totally. <laughs> I love the laughing, eh? You folks laugh, but I, I'm giving this stuff away for free. I won't have time to get to it. I just, I just won't. Um, the, um, the, the, the one of the things that I remember even coming in as a teacher candidate beyond the, the steep learning curve and the reality of, oh my gosh, this is going to be me. I'm not sure if I want to take the reins. I started to notice things about education that um, either someone mentioned it to me or it was just reinforced through observation. And it's, I, I mean, I'm calling it kind of baked in. It's sort of like that stuff that's just, it's really hard to move. Like it's really hard to kind of shift the thinking. Um you know, it's only after about 10 years, well, like I said, I've been in here 13 years that I'm starting to see the conversation open up around assessment and going gradeless. Um, that when I would have started, when I started in as a teacher candidate, that would have been something that was absolutely baked in. No one really talked about going gradeless and what that would look like, you know, your feedback loop and the triangulation of, of, uh, of art, artifacts and all that kind of like that just, it wasn't really a thing. Um, what are you, are you, are you folks observing anything that's at this point right now that you're like, yeah, that it seems like it's kind of baked in, not impossible, not impossible to get some sort of momentum for change in it, but it just seems like it's a thing that everyone's just not really doing much about. Mm, I, th- I think I can take a stab at this. Do it. Um, I recently, I guess, um, the faculty we've been talking a lot about um de-streaming because i know some of the boards have been i guess this is more for the high school level because there's the different levels there's like the 
academic applied and then some high schools have like IB programs um and growing up like even within my own experiences um students um would determine kind of like um what Diana was saying so if you took um academic or university courses you would go into university and if you took other ones then you would go into college um that kind of stuff so I feel like that that's really like what you were saying Clef like baked into like education there there isn't much talk about um doing it on a like doing de-streaming on a larger level it's more so um I guess a couple schools are taking initiative into doing so but I feel like that whole concept of um putting students into um levels of achievement so applied or academic or whatever the other ones are is it really, I think sometimes it downgrades uh, some of their potential because it already sets up sets them up into this mindset that if I'm in an applied class, then the teacher's not going to expect a lot from me. So that's the expectation going in. Um, and then for those who are in the ac- academic or the higher level, um, they are automatically assuming that, oh yeah, I, I can get to go to university because I'm going to take all these courses in the higher level um, education and that's where I will that's where I'll be. So um, that's kind of like, and there's a lot of equity and um, I guess problems that come up with that as well. But I, I feel like that's something that's, that's very baked into education. And I don't know if it'll, if it'll be gone, but it's just something that I've been thinking about. I think that's great. Um, I'll, I'll connect it right to the next piece that I was going to do. Um, what's, what's the conversation that you would like to see come out of that? And, and or what part do you think you could play in that? Um, well, I, I'd like to see more teachers maybe a part of it, like supporting it and maybe more um, advice given and more workshop, more information about how it would go about. And I know there are a couple schools that are doing it. So um, maybe um, having them come and support other teachers in in going about that kind of um, work within the schools. Like, it's obviously not something that will happen overnight, but I think it is possible. And I think it will um, definitely help a lot of students out. And I think it will have them um, become a little bit more confident in their work and actually um, pursue different things and not not just go into university, but do other things. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Diana, what are you thinking? I guess that kind of connects to what we do learn in some of our education courses about UDL and how your classroom needs to be, you need to be able to reach every student. And so then this whole idea with de-streaming, it does, I agree, it reduces confidence a lot. And for some students, it's like your parents sometimes are like, you know what, you're going to go to all these academic classes and you don't have any choice. And sometimes, you know, they're overwhelmed. They're like, oh, my God. What am I going to do? What if I can't do it? What if I won't be able to handle it? And I guess it's like that whole idea how we need to be able to bring in UDL and differentiated instruction and make sure that our students are all being connecting to the material and are we're reaching out to them. The the parents are are major power players in education and often I think often one of the opportunities that I've observed that we've missed is looking as parents as as colleagues, lesson planners, and consultants. Um, now that takes a little bit of, I was just having a conversation today with, with a parent and they were, we were completely on the same side of the table in our conversation, but I put to them, I said, at, 
in in sort of working with um, the education system, I believe as a parent, there are times where it's okay, where it's good to be the parent. So you show your passion and your your love of your own child and your sort of connectivity to the family and the experience of school and the value of that. Uh, but I said the idea of being a an effective educational advocate sometimes is a separate set of tools. And, you know, this was me helping a parent be a better connector with education. But I always wonder on the broader sense, I can remember sitting in a staff, in a staff training. So, you know, when I was in a, in a larger school, sitting in a staff meeting, and we were talking about um, effective lesson design, a three part lesson design, you know, UDL was included, equity was included, there's a whole bunch of elements in there. And I put to the group, I said, you know, maybe we should be trying to bring the parents into the planning loop. And it was just crickets. Like no one, no one, you know, I would have liked a hostile sort of a look, but it really was, you know, this was completely unheard of. Like what, what parents are going to help me, help me, um, you know, do planning. And, and they're like, how's a parent ever going to be able to understand universal design? Like that idea of universal design or, you know, like UDL, like you throw the acronyms at them and it just, it's going to go way over their head. I'm like, well, why don't we spend time building that connections so that when we're including parents and other stakeholders in the conversation, we got flow. But I hear you, like, I I would be curious as to how would you then, so then how would you then engage the parents in that conversation? Because the question is about getting, the extension here is, what what are the conversations that you folks would like to see happen more often? So how do you see that bringing that to the parents and saying, you know what? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to de-stream next year. And then you just, you, you can wait or you can keep talking. How would you do that? How would you bring the parents to that convo? That's a tough question. (laughs) Come on, teachers. Come on. This ain't a staff meeting, but uh, because there's some power in that. Oh, yeah. Well, I, th- I think that there is a lot of power in that. And um, I feel like, um, th- I guess, information, like provide providing parents with information and not just because like we assume that as teachers, um, everybody else knows the lingo that we're using, like UDL or de-streaming. We assume that um, the outside, everybody outside, so parents or other stakeholders, they understand what that means, right? And most of the times they don't. So um, actually informing parents and actually giving them support and advice on these topics and like de-streaming or other things um, and having them be having being open to questions and being open to what they have to um, say as well and kind of working together. I feel like those kind of things can, can be successful, but you really have to have a collaborative learning environment. So like you said, having all the stakeholders involved in what is um, what you want to actually go forth with. Mm -hmm. I like, I love that big word, the dropping of the, the collaborative learning environment, because I, again, sitting at that staff meeting and somehow suggesting that a parent could be a part of that. Um, I dare, I dare you three to test drive that at your next staff meeting, just to see, you know, find your, find your, your trustworthy, critical friend and say, yeah, what would it, you know, do you include the parents? It's, and you know what, there's an interesting element to this because, um, in your, uh, TPA, so your teacher's appraisal, one of the look fors in your TPA. So when you're evaluated is how you integrate feedback from parents into your lesson design and your classroom experience. Mm -hmm. 
So hmm. yeah, they're so just drop a little knowledge on you. You're like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Nobody's ever thank told me that. Okay, but I have a There's question. There's another thing that they when... didn't tell us at faculty. Go ahead, jump in. Well, so sorry, as a teacher candidate or when you're when, being evaluated as an Once you got your job. So when you... Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was thinking as a teacher candidate because like how am I going to get feedback from um, parents, which is another whole fish to fry that we could talk about how teacher candidates yeah. and connecting with the parents is a whole nother universe because it's like because they're not the actual teacher do we communicate with parents do we make those phone calls um that's stepping out of a big huge comfort zone and i recently read an article um by the edcan network and i shared it it was in french but it was actually um, a research based on how teacher candidates going into a classroom um, as a qualified teacher were not prepared to deal and communicate and collaborate with the parents because it's something that isn't as focused on in our like in our formation in our teachers college and I totally totally agree and and like I said ultimately it's going to be a conversation that you will step into when you are part of your, um, whether it's part of your induction program as a, you know, a full-time contractual teacher um, or, you know, thereafter in your every four year in your rotational TPA, there's going to be one of those look for's is and how, you know, how are you in what ways and why are you integrating parent feedback, parent um, interaction? It is the collaborative learning spaces without calling the parent a collaborative partner. But I would say that if you spend time nurturing that, you're going to have some really cool stuff to include in that because uh, that's generally part of the Q&A when you're sitting with the administrator. Yeah, that's one of the things they'll ask you because it might not always be directly obvious when they're looking at your paperwork. So so there we go. Another thing we have to worry about when we're I know, qualified I teachers. Just to add it to the Adding list. another one to that, that T-shirt. <laughs> at the front, the back, the arms is all filled up, right? The stuff that wasn't told at well, faculty. <laughs> Sarah, is that what's the um, is that is that the the sort of the that challenging conversation, the baked in? What do you want to throw down on that? See, I, you know, I will admit it. This acronym UDL, maybe it's because I'm in the French faculty. I'll blame it on that. But I had never heard of this acronym before. Um, and like I said on the little chat here on the side, like I am on the inside, so. I, I do know what you guys are talking about, but I was um, thinking more about the whole assessment piece that you mentioned mm -hmm. at the beginning of this um, conversation, Chris. So it, it, I love the fact that, um, you know, our province is looking at modernizing our report cards and that whole assessment piece is hopefully going to be looking a little different. And I love that, you know, on Voice Ed Radio, they had... Um, some episodes on a learning province, the public engagement um, on education assessment in Ontario. So they're really looking for feedback and looking to use those those more of those transferable skills um, in the report cards and in assessment. And we're looking at more critical thinking and communication and you know innovation and creativity. So um, that's what I believe is baked in and what I would what I like to see change and what I like to see those, those gaps, I feel like it's slowly breaking um, and we are starting to have those conversations. So um, I think it's really uplifting. That's cool. I would agree. And it's, it's, I think for you three, for you three, you're going to see more, it's going to be profound for me 
with the time that I have left in my career, I'm going to see these changes as well. I think it's also going to be, uh, it's going to, you know, completely uh, stoke me to see that those changes have finally, I have enough of the things that I've observed that I like it when I'm starting to see the, finally, they're kind of doing this. Like I have stuff on that list. Mm -hmm. It takes a little while to be in. I'll say it's about a decade to where you get, you have certain things that you just, you want to get those changes rolling. And then it happens. You're like, finally, you can sort of ease into it. So I'm starting to get some of those things on the list of finally. Um, I think for you folks, you're going to get beyond the, if you take my word for it, that it's a finally, you're going to be able to take, put the wheels on it and really drive it and see where it goes next. Because that's, that's where you get the real kind of cool. You could, we can shift mindset right now if we just hang on assessment for a second. We can, we can take shift mindset and say, okay, we're getting a little bit more comfortable with a feedback model. We don't have to go right to a mark right away. Maybe we have to declare somewhere in the end, but we're going to have a process where it's primarily feedback until the very end. That's an exciting change, but it's also something that is already existing in other jurisdictions. So it's kind of like we're kind of, we're getting on board with what in general we're seeing as the next shift in education what you do with it next is what becomes the really exciting thing. And I truly believe that it's going to be a part of your generation of teachers coming through that's going to take it in the direction that it starts to make more sense for each of our jurisdictions or, or school boards that we're in. So um, I'm thrilled for you folks on that for sure. Yeah. And I hope that um, faculties of ed also change the way that they're teaching us Right. So if these report cards and all of this assessment piece is changing, um, I think it would be important for the faculties of education to kind of look at what they're teaching future teachers um, and reassess and restructure some of that. I totally agree. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> would you folks believe that we made it to the end of the reunion episode? Look at the time. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what? I think I have I have to do it. Let's see. Oh, wait, that's the end, isn't it? That, wait, are you supposed to put that on the front end? Maybe it's this one. This is this is the one that I put on. <laughs> we can all get mindful for a moment. This is our calming space. Okay, let's let's before we before we go back to the, the reality, all of our all of our realities, whether calm or stormy, uh, throw down where you would like to be found. And just quickly, like a quickly thing, if you got a thing like you're you're kind of jazzed about this, you're not quite sure what direction it's going to go. It's kind of giving you a little bit of fear, a little bit of excitement. If you got like a project or something or just a um, a mention you want to put in. So where you want to be found. And if you got something coming down the pipe, that's kind of cool. Oh, okay. I'll go. So <laughs> I'm already, I'm already so. starting to consider what sort of like, if I should, I, you know, what music I'll put in those little moments, like no, no problem at all. who's in, who's in. Okay. So, um, this is Sarah. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, Lalonde, L-A-L-O-N-D-E-E. -E. Um, I'm always on Twitter. You can check out my website, sarahannlalonde.com, my podcast, Kosara Sara. And I will actually be um, having my one-year anniversary coming up in February. Um, so that's kind of a really cool project that I'm going to be undertaking um, in the next month. So definitely looking forward to that. Sounds good. LF, what you got? 
Um, okay, so my Twitter handle is Miss underscore Kanak, K-A-Y-N-A-K. And currently I have a six-week teaching block coming up, so I'm kind of nervous but also excited about that. So um, I'm working on that. So hopefully it'll go really well. It's fantastic. Diana, wrap it up, my friend. You guys can find me at Miss Dantu, M-S-D-A-N-C-I-U. That's my Twitter handle. And right now I'm just trying to doing some supply teaching with Peel District School Board, but tomorrow I well Friday, not tomorrow. Friday, I have an interview with York Region District School Board, my home <gasps> home region. And I'm very nervous for that. So just wish me luck. Send out positive vibes for me. Sending you good vibes. Diana, yeah. Good totally. luck. That is phenomenal. Good for you. Thank you. That is awesome. Well, I want to thank all of you for for jumping in and jumping on this. I really appreciate it. It's one of those weird I'm I'm like I said, I'm I'm happy that in this case the plan came together that somehow the little suggestion to reach back out and we could make it happen. And it was it was a pleasure to reconnect with you in this frame. And I really do. I wish you all the best of luck. And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for for what each of you is bringing, but also the ideas that you're 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 trying to develop. I think it's I think it's fantastic. Um, and and again, I wish you the best of luck in your next steps in your education career. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you Chris. so much for having us. You're all very welcome. So have a fantastic evening, and I'm sure we will uh, connect online in the Twitter halls very soon. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Chasing Squirrels Podcast. You can find other episodes on iTunes and on Podbean. If you ever want to connect with me, you can reach me on Twitter, at Chris J. Clough, or you can reach out to me, chrisjclough at gmail.com. <laughs>